Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you this morning. We're going to stand together. We're going to greet the people around us. And I got a question of the day for us. If you want to use it to share with your neighbor, Aaliyah asked me back here what you all did in the massive heat wave yesterday. We invite you to worship with us this morning. When we gather as a church, we get to remember the story of Jesus, the one who paid the price on the cross so that we can be one with the Father. And we look to him and we worship him as our King and our Lord. So today, as we just get our minds and, and our hearts centered on him, we just remember what he's done, the good things he's done for us. Out of love, Jesus has done this. So as we lift up this song, it's a brand new one. We invite you just to listen along, sing it when you feel ready to sing it with us but it's a reminder of the things that Jesus has done for us. Let's sing this out. Hallelujah 
read as you study God's word on your own. When I was reading through this just a minute ago, what, what came to my mind is our children, they are on loan to us. We think that they're ours, but they're not. They belong to Jesus. They are on loan to us, and we've been given this beautiful privilege of bringing up the children in the Lord. Will all of our third grade students come forward, please? Going into fourth grade. Okay, perfect. Yay, huh? And afterwards, you guys can preach the message for me. All right. All right. That'd be all right? Okay, here we go. All righty. And. Should I finish that? Yes, if you could. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Many of these students were baptized, some in this church and some in others, as we present them with their own study Bibles. We have the opportunity to remember their baptism. Baptism is a sign and a seal of God's promises to his covenant people. In baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, the church, and to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew and cleanse us and to resurrect us to eternal life someday. When each of these children were baptized, both their parents and the congregation were asked questions. Remember that? You were asked if you would instruct them in the truth of God's word to pray for them and to train them by your example. I would like to affirm those promises today as these three children stand before us. Will you do that today? And please respond, we do, God helping us. You were asked, um, or no, let's see. Parents and people of Watershed, as these children receive their Bibles today, will you continue to promise to teach them to pray for them, and to support them. There are so many ways in our church where we can be involved in supporting these kids. Parents and congregation respond together. We do. God helping us. Amen. All right, Lori. All right. Great. Hey, kids. Oh, thank you. In your baptism, God promises his love for you, and you have just heard your parents and the people of our church remind you of their love. So as you hold your Bible in your hand, you will notice um, that it's wrapped. So what do you notice about the wrapping paper? Any color about it? What color? How about what color is it? It's brown. Excellent answer. All right. Your Bible is wrapped in brown paper to remind you that it is a very old book. Christians have been reading this same book for hundreds of years and around the world. So now you may unwrap the brown wrapping paper. Yes, your turn. I'm quite sure at Christmas they do not wrap this. Slow, um, slowly. Your Bible is now wrapped in gold. As a church, we want to remind you that your Bible is very valuable. 
more valuable than gold, you may now unwrap the gold wrapping paper. Okay, your Bible is wrapped in comics because it is filled with wonderful stories. We want you to know that your Bible is not only ancient and valuable, but it's also interesting and exciting. So now you can now remove the comic strip paper. All right, what color do you see now? White. The white paper is to remind us that the Bible is holy. You have a message from God, about God, wrapped in this ancient, valuable, exciting, holy scripture. You may now remove the white paper. We hope that your Bible will bring you joy as you read and grow in God's Word. We also have a get-to-know-you Bible challenge um, as you read through this with your parents. And we have, I believe, a couple books over there. Um, you'll bring that home with you to complete with your parents. Before you return to your seats, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, please guide our kids with your Holy Scripture through the pages of their new Bibles and inspire them to grow in their knowledge of you and love for you. Father, um, we just ask that you fill them with your good fruit and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And children may now be dismissed for Sunday school. We meet you in the corner. I better get out of the way. This is serious. Awesome. Have a good time. I'd like to go with you. Would that be all right? bringing us all together today for Sunday school and church and to worship you and thank you for a safe drive in and please provide us with a safe drive home and help us to um, enjoy the next time worshiping you and praising you. Amen. Have fun. Like I said, it's good to be here with you all this morning, and um, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mary, um, been on staff here 
for many years and sort of retired. I didn't do very well with that, but, uh, but I'm, still, I'm still trying. But I love being here. I love being with my family because you truly are, are my family. I'm going to uh, just begin with a congregational prayer. Now let's begin, bow our heads as we begin with Psalm 145. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another, and they will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell you of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness, as we just sang about, Lord, you are good, and joyfully sing of your righteous. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. Almighty God, as we continue our time of worship this morning, um, we give you thanks for the songs that we sing. We give you thanks for the way that people are inspired to share those beautiful lyrics. Thank you for the um, musicians that lead us in worship. Lord, you are a good God all the time. We thank you for this season of the summer where it gives us a chance to refresh, to renew, to relax, and just to be reminded of your majesty as so much is going on around us in our creation. Thank you, Lord. Those are gifts that you have given us to enjoy. And Lord, sometimes we forget. We forget to pause. We forget to pause to give thanks, and we just go about our days not even really recognizing your presence. May we be alert and aware to the way that you put people in our lives, that you put situations in our lives, that you put songs on the radio in our lives to remind us that you are always near. Lord, there's a lot going on in our congregation right now. Sixteen different people that we know of are dealing with a difficult diagnosis. They're going through rehab. They're going through treatment. Many, many things going on. And 14 people that we know of are dealing with the loss of a loved one. And hearts get heavy, as we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. So I want to just pause for a minute and I want to be silent, and in your circle, whether it's family or friends, whatever it be, just utter up a prayer for those that are close to you, that are going through a difficult time right now. Lord, we know that you quiet the angels in heaven when you hear your children praying. Gracious God, how I thank you. How I thank you for being my hiding place where I can go, where we can go for safety and security. In you I find rest, even in the midst of life's turmoils and troubles, and there are many. Yet sometimes we do fail to hide in you. We think we have to handle everything on ourselves, preferring to put our confidence in our own abilities, in our own cleverness in our own strength. But inevitably, we experience our inadequacy and we need you. Forgive us, Lord, when we try to make it through on life on our own and help us to turn to you every single day in all types of situations, in all things. When we feel threatened, when we feel sorrowful, when we feel weary, help us to trust you more. 
as we embrace your security, your safety, and your comfort. Bless us now. Lord, I just pray that you're with me as I share your message this morning. These are your words, and I just pray that if there's anything that I thought of I shouldn't say, strike it from me. If there's anything I didn't think of, please place it on my heart and on my lips. And I pray these things in your most beautiful and precious name. Amen. See if I can do this without tipping it over. So today, we continue moving through our summer series called Everyday Wisdom. As I was pondering this passage over the past couple of weeks, I wrestled with several different titles. Walk wisely, oh be careful, the heart of the matter, matter, one of my favorite eagle songs, tune your heart, lyrics from come thou fount of every blessing, and I finally ended up with the word wholeheartedly. And while I'll reference these other titles as I go through the message today, I think you'll come to understand why I chose the word wholeheartedly. What a vast topic we look at today. Where in the world, where in the world, do you begin to understand and grasp the heart of God, the heart of ourselves? How do we do this? The complexity, the purpose, an overwhelming and an intimidating task. So many ways to describe God's heart. So many ways to describe our hearts. So I'd like to start with a little, little, little interactive thing here. I'd like to ask any of you if you would be willing to shout out a type of heart. For example, heart of what? Right. Keep going. Heart of what? Heart of gold? What about something heart? I mentioned in, what did you say? Heavy heart, too, is another one. I mentioned that in the prayer. Um, lonesome heart, joyful heart. Lots of different ways to describe our heart. With that in mind, let us begin to read the passage today. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. Proverbs 27, verse 19. says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Tune your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Lord Radstock was staying in a hotel in Norway in the mid-19th century. He heard a little child playing a piano downstairs in the hallway. She was making a terrible noise. Plink, 
plonk, plink, you name it. Maybe some of you have heard those noises when your kids were in piano lessons. I know I have. This noise was driving him crazy. Then another man came and sat beside her and began playing alongside her, filling in the gaps. The result was the most beautiful music. He later discovered that the man playing alongside her was the girl's father, Alexander Borodin, a famous opera composer. This is a wonderful passage. As a personal spiritual inventory to see if we are really living in obedience to the Lord, it demands constancy of heart and purpose, honesty in speech, steadiness of gaze, and a right goal in our walk of life. Setting off on the path of wisdom is no casual thing, and it involves daily cooperation with him. This path is deep, it's intentional, it's often tough, and it must be saturated, saturated in trust. But more on that path in just a minute. Aaron shared this commentary with me from the Bible Project, which I found very helpful as I looked at the passage in relationship to the culture of that time. If you want to go to the next slide for me, that would be great. For hundreds of years, every morning and every evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They called it the Shema. In fact, several years back when I was doing worship center with the kids, we used to teach this to our kids in worship center on Sunday mornings, and it's this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, love God with your whole self. Love him wholeheartedly. The word heart in Hebrew is pronounced lavav, or the short, short term is lev. Do you have that next slide for me? See if we can get there. Back up just a little bit. Oh, I guess I don't have a picture of it. That's okay. That's all right. Different cultures throughout history have different conceptions of how the human body works, and this is also true of ancient cultures. They knew the heart was an organ in the body which sustained life. We all know that. In fact, there's even mention of a heart attack in Samuel 25. But biblical authors talk about the heart in many ways, other ways, that seem strange to modern readers. That's because the Israelites had no concept of the word brain or any word for it. That is why heart is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible, and the word brain is never mentioned once. The heart is so important, they believed it was where human intellectual activity took place, where no one understands and makes connections. It is where one discerns between truth and error. It is where you make sense of the world. Think about it. How many times over the past couple of years haven't we all tried to make sense of our world. It's been crazy, and it's been impossible. The heart is where emotions are formed, where we have pain, and the term broken heart is actually derived from the story of Hannah. She was unable to bear children, and her heart was broken. Our hearts become depressed. But on the flip side, our hearts also experience joy to be happy is to be of good heart, to have a heart of joy. 
That's probably where the idea for the song, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We all know it, don't we? It's no wonder that God places extreme importance in our heart, about guarding our hearts. It's no wonder he says here, pay attention, my son. Pay attention to what I say. The heart is a metaphor. It's a generator of physical life, intellectual life, emotional life, and spiritual life. It is where we make choices motivated by our desires. David had it in his heart to build the temple. It meant everything to him to build the temple. But God said no. Our affections are centered in our hearts. They are called the desires of our heart. And if we really, really want something, as Nathan said to David, whatever it is in your heart, go for it. Go for it. The heart is the center of all parts of our human existence. As it states in verse 23, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. So what does it mean to guard your heart? The neglected heart will soon be a heart overrun with worldly thoughts. The neglected life will soon become a moral compass, a moral chaos. We just talked about chaos. We just sang about it in the song. The concept of guarding our hearts comes from these verses. We are reminded of all the things that try to come against us. We have to overcome temptations every day, every single day. We do, all of us. We need to find ways to overcome doubts, and they just creep in over and over again. We guard our hearts against all kinds of distractions from our faith, and oh my goodness, is the enemy at work. Distraction after distraction. He is very, very clever. Our heart is fragile. We have to do what we can to protect it. So what do we do? We walk wisely. Though we are prone to wander, as it says in the song, we have to take a part, responding to God's call, staying on the paths, living wisely, and therefore making something beautiful out of our life. Four weeks ago, my husband, he took a week and he hiked the Appalachian Trail with Pastor Darwin and Rich Laninga from the Fusion community. It was quite a feat. It was quite a feat. And he will readily admit that he was not as prepared as he should have been. He's not 20, as you may know. The best way he describes it is this. My body took a beating, but my soul was refreshed. I love that. And while he had many amazing stories to share, I was particularly moved by this one. It was the third day, and we were still ascending the mountains. It was grueling, and I really wondered if I was going to be able to make it. The two other guys were well ahead of me. Obviously, obviously, and I know them, they are in much better shape than what Tim was, but I was determined. It was mid-afternoon, and all I could do was think about was taking a break, even though I knew I didn't want to get farther behind, but I needed to stop. I heard everywhere, and I was out of breath. But there was nowhere to do this. The path was so narrow. It was all ruts, and it was gigantic roots, and it was stones, and there was cliffs on both sides of me, and the trail was just wide enough for me to put one foot in front of the other. 
I came upon a stream to cross and was still finding myself heading upward the mountain, following the stream. And then there it was, a small clearing where the trail widened a bit and a large rock set off to the side, just enough for me to lean against. It was about four foot tall and about two foot wide. I took off my pack and I thought I would just sit just for a few minutes. Again, he does not want to get behind. He needed to catch his breath. The beauty around me was breathtaking. The canopy of the trees, the cool breeze, and the sound of the stream continued to calm me down. And then without even realizing it, I fell asleep. I woke about 20 minutes later. I gave thanks and I felt refreshed. And I was ready to go once again. Even on the treacherous path, I knew that God had put that rock there just for me. It was a perfect size in the most flawless setting. And it gave me all I needed to continue my journey. The rock was a reassurance. It was security. Staying on the path, focusing on what lie ahead was what led him to the rock. He was nurtured, he was refreshed, and his whole body benefited. So too it us, with us when we stay on the path of our spiritual journey. So how do we do that? Another song that came to my mind, you know it all. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Can I get a job in the praise band? Okay. Guard your ears. Oh, be careful. You could choose what you think about, what you listen to. Whatever enters your ears will ultimately influence your mind, your heart, and your decisions. So I better be careful. I better be careful what I listen to. The Apostle Paul warns us, beware of obscenity, of foolish talk, and coarse joking. And Psalm 1 says this, to avoid ungodly counsel. When people speak, we must be ready to identify God's voice. It often takes great discernment and it takes great patience. Whatever the heart loves, the ears will seek out to listen to and it will find it. If we only feed our heart junk from the world, our heart stops working the way it should. Just like our physical health, our spiritual health can fail if we don't take good care of it. Look around at all the heavy hearts in your family and your circle of friends. When you let your guard down and forget the things that God tells us through his word, through prayer and through faith-filled friends and family, we do damage to our relationships. We have a choice. Paul goes on to say, think about things that are true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Careful little lips. Your words are powerful. Use them carefully. Whatever is in your heart will ultimately come out of your mouth. Proverbs has a great deal to say about human speech. In fact, the word mouth is used over 50 times in Proverbs, and the word lips is used over 40 times, just in Proverbs. And Solomon says, he warns us of flattering lips, deceptive lips, perverse lips. 
and so on. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a true statement, isn't it? It couldn't be further from the truth. I'm quite confident we all experienced and may even still harbor the pain that comes from words directed to us that bruised us deeply. I remember when I was about 10 years old, I took piano lessons for about five years. And um, my piano teacher, I'm not going to mention her name because maybe you had her. <laughs> but anyway, she was tough. She was very tough. And, uh, of course, we had our strict lessons to follow, and I had this little notebook that I had to take with me every time I went to piano lessons. Well, a couple times I forgot my notebook, and the third time I forgot my notebook, I'll never forget it. Sitting on that piano bench right next to me was that piano teacher, and she looked me square in the eyes, and she said, Mary, you are the most absent-minded pupil I have ever had. Oh, my goodness. That still bothers me. And I think until I take my last breath, I am going to prove to myself and prove to others I'm not absent-minded. I'm a little flaky. I admit it. I'm a little goofy. But I can focus. But that hurt so bad. It is said that words that leave the tongue should have three gatekeepers, three of them, to pass through first before they come out of your mouth. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Luke 6.45 says, A good person out of the good measure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I truly appreciate all those people in my life, those ones that quietly model Christ, those with a tremendous faith who live out the way they walk, not necessarily how they talk. They do justly. They love mercy. They walk humbly with their God. Those are the people I naturally gravitate to when I'm seeking clear and honest and loving and godly advice. You know why? Because they don't babble all the time, and when they do have something to say, I listen. I listen. It matters. I want to hear what they have to share. Again, okay, be careful, little eyes. They are the window to your soul. Be careful what you look at, especially in this age of the Internet and social media. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Verse 25 says that. Jesus warned in Matthew 6 that if you look at the wrong things, your whole body will be full of darkness. But he also said if your eyes look at good, your whole body will be full of light. Everyone has, everyone has a vision before them that helps determine their actions, their values, and their plans. Over the past several years, I have become much more selective about what I watch on TV. In fact, I watch very little TV, and I always ask people that I trust, can you recommend a good series? I love series. I love to just binge watch. But I want to watch stuff that's not full of garbage and crap. I don't need that. There's enough of that in the world. I want to watch stuff that's going to fill me up, that's going to energize me. I've also chosen not to watch most news programs. Why? Because I don't know who's telling the truth. I just don't. I need to know news, and I need to stay, in, you know, I need to stay informed, and I want to be. But I do it with boundaries. It was interesting to me. My mom and dad 
when I was growing up, I couldn't go to movies. Um, that was forbidden. So, but it was like about maybe 15, 20 years ago, my mom and dad made a really cool statement. They said, you know, back in the day when you were growing up, we couldn't go to movies, but then the movies were good. Now anybody can go to movies, and a lot of them are trash. I should have been able to go see The Nutty Professor or whatever back then, but I wasn't. But it's okay. It's okay. And then there's Facebook. Take it or leave it. The secular culture is becoming grayer and grayer. And I can feel the escalation of hate and fear and confusion and distrust. And my heart becomes weary. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. You will avoid a lot of temptation if you are careful about where you go. Make level paths for your feet. Keep your feet from evil. The writer of Hebrews quotes from this verse. He urges you to run with perseverance the race that has been set before you and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Make level the paths of your feet. Watch your step. It's so easy to get distracted. I work with a lot of elderly patients. And when walking, a person who deliberately considers where his steps are going to go, they are far less likely to fall. I have a lot of walkers around me, people with walkers, and they are so careful about the next step they take. They don't want to fall. And so it is with our life. We, too, experience the same thing. We should not make hasty decisions, but discern the Lord's will and then do it. So how do I tune my heart? Tuning your heart means become more discerning, and there are proven ways and promises to do that. Don't just read your Bible. Sit with the words. Soak it in. Digest it. And I know over the years, as I get older, the passages take on different meanings for me depending on a certain situation that I'm going through in my life. Do that. Spend time in prayer. Talk to God often. People laugh at me because I always say I appreciate when I get stuck at a railroad crossing. They go, what? Don't you have places to go? I said, no. Gives me a chance to just sit and just talk to Jesus. The train will pass. I'll get there. I'll get there. Choose your friends wisely. Get good advice from those you respect and who are strong in, your faith, in their faith. Learn ways to overcome temptation. Find ways to avoid them. Learn how to walk away from bad situations. Years ago when my kids were growing up, they had a campaign. It was just say no. Just say no and learn to overcome doubt. We hear anti-Christian messages every day. Learn to push doubt aside. Remember, he's got, he's got the whole world in his hands. He really does. We must alter our lives in order to alter our hearts. For it's impossible to live one way and pray another. For the Father up above is looking down in love. God knows our hearts. He knows our hidden sins, our darkest secrets, our deepest fears. He knows our weaknesses and our mistakes. God knows our personality, our tendency, our habits. He knows our silent thoughts and prayers that we are too afraid to whisper. This should simultaneously cause us great fear and great hope. We should tremble in fear that such a holy God who knows how broken we are, how far we are removed from him, but also we rejoice and we praise him that he does know our heart. 
The metaphor I use here is that of a thunderstorm, just like the one that we watched the other night from our deck. Our grandkids were over, and there was a huge thunderstorm, thundercloud way off to the east, and we sat there and we watched it. We watched the lightning. We heard the tremble of the thunder. We often tremble, and we are often afraid. And yet watching it brings a certain amount of awe and respect and reverence. It takes your breath away. The intensity and majesty of it all. So too it is when we respect and embrace the promise that nobody knows us like God. We fear, and yet we are hopeful in awe. And not only is God looking down in love, but the world is watching us as well. Psalm 27, 19 says, As in the water, face reflects the face, so the man reflects, the heart of the man reflects the man. Some people's faces radiate joy, don't they? They radiate love. Their smile simply puts us at ease, and others, not so much. It's our expression. They make us feel uncomfortable. Your face often reflects your heart. I remember reading about a preacher who said that the life we have lived eventually eventually shows up on our face, and therefore everybody over 40 is responsible for their face. Something to think about. Something to think about. Even where you manage to hide your heart from those around you, God can still see it. Nothing escapes it. little story. Two weeks ago, we had the Summer Service Week project here. And uh, it was Thursday night, and um, let me preface this first. I always, Little Caesars has always been very gracious about donating pizzas uh, to the Summer Service Week. So they were under new management. I've been dealing with Jeff for a long time, and now Ryan owns it. And so um, I called Ryan like a month before Summer Service Week, and he said, yeah, we want to be a part of the tradition. Can't wait to help out. So got it all set. We figured out the order. All good. And then... Um, the Monday before, because uh, Thursday night I was doing pizza, the Monday before, I thought, well, I'm just going to, I've been emailing, I'm going to send him a text just to make sure he got the text. He said, sure, yep, got it all good, we're good to go. Thursday night, I thought, well, you know, it is Ryan's first year. Maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm just going to go a little early to Little Caesars and just, just make sure. I, just, I would just feel better about it. So they were supposed to be picked up at 5.15, and I got there at 5, and I walked in to the counter, and I said, um, yeah, I'm here for my 66 pizzas. <laughs> and uh, lady looks at me like deer in the headlights. She calls her other lady, says, no, I, I've been talking with Brian. I've got, I've got to feed a bunch of kids in an hour. I'm here for my 66 pizzas. <laughs> got nothing, nothing, no. You know, and so she calls her manager from the back. He comes, he comes up front. And uh, he's very, very nice. Oh, he's so awesome. And he's like, I bet they're at the Chicago Drive store. I bet they're over there. So that's where we do a lot of big orders. I said, no problem. I'll go to Chicago Drive. I'll pick them up. It's all good. So he calls there. No pizzas. No pizzas. Okay. Okay. He's like, he goes back to the back, and he comes out front. And um, I, I said, I told him, I said, I, I, need, I need pizzas, but. You know, okay, okay, just, oh, he goes back, comes back out front, says, ma'am, whenever I hear the word ma'am, I think I'm old, ma'am, ma'am, we're going to get you your 66 pizzas, and we're going to get them for you in 25 minutes. Now, I'm deer in the headlights. I says, what? There's four different kinds. You're going to do 66 pizzas for me? 
I had prayed just a minute ago. I said, my, my prayer was, help me, Jesus. Kids aren't going to be happy with peanut butter. Help me, Jesus. He comes back. I says, okay. I'm just, I'm just going to go sit in my car. So I did. I prayed some more. I sat there. He says, oh, this is fun. I didn't know if I should text Nate or not because I didn't want Nate to get upset. It's okay. It's all right. We got this. Just pray. It's good. 25 to 6, I walked in, and um, by now the lobby's filling up. The line behind Little Caesars is very long because everybody's waiting for their pizzas because he's helping me. And by 18 minutes to 6, I was back over here in the pavilion with 66 pizzas. And I got to tell you, I had to chuckle with God. We both laughed, and I said, you have gave a literal meaning to hot and ready. <laughs> hot and ready. Thank you, Jesus. The point I'm telling you this, I could have, somebody said, I tell other people this story, he says, didn't you get angry? Weren't you mad? <sighs> I was sweating a little bit. It's not going to help me to get angry. It's just not. It's just not. Were the kids going to starve? No. Was I upset about no pizza? Inside I was. Was it the end of the world? No. How am I going to handle this? It was easy. It's just help me, Jesus. If you're in charge of pizza here, I'm not. You got the pizza. I needed to trust and I needed to cry out to God. The message version of verse 17 says this, and I love this, better a bread crust served in love than a slab of prime meat prime ribs served in hate. I could have got mad. It's about who we're reflecting in closing. Because of Jesus, because of him, we have a new heart. But we are still living in a fallen world and our body where sin so easily entangles. We are commanded to guard our hearts and not be bound by the snares of sin. It isn't that we lose our salvation because we don't. Once we are saved, we are saved. We don't lose it. But we can't grow in holiness unless we guide our heart and live in obedience. This is called progressing in sanctification. The Christian faith is primarily about what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, following Jesus is about love. Love that came to us when we weren't looking for it. And as we receive this love, it generates humility it generates gratitude, and it generates a commitment to honor. We aren't just spectators here, but we are called to wholeheartedly respond in love in return. Love gives birth to more love, which results in faithfulness and obedience. These are the truths that will transform us from the inside out. The challenge, Tim Keller says, think of one person that you have a hard time in, in your life. What practical thing can you do for him or her to love them better? I promise you, you will be blessed. If we are walking in everyday wisdom, God promises to protect our path, direct our path, and perfect our path. Regardless of the narrowness, the ruts, the stones, the cliffs, the bumps, all of it, the unfamiliarity. Our Father does so by coming alongside you at the piano, you might say, 
knowing that in all things, he works for our good. He takes our plink and our plonk and our ploink, and he makes something harmonious out of our lives, out of our hearts. So, Lord, here's my heart. Take and seal it for your courts above. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, my heart, my heart is turned towards you. Yet you know, you know how often I fail. Please forgive me and have mercy on me when the toxic things of this world influence my heart. Thank you that you enable me to turn back to you every single day. Thank you, Lord, that you see beyond the outward appearance into my heart. May I not judge people or situations by how they look from the outside, but like you, always look to the heart. May my face, may our face reflect the love and the joy that you put into our hearts and bring encouragement, confidence to everyone we encounter to help and to wholeheartedly follow you, not just today, but every single day. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing a, a song of response. And we can use this song just as a prayer, as a way to declare, God, you have my whole heart. Jesus, I will sing with my whole heart to you. So we just invite you to sing this one with us this morning.
before I do the benediction, I just wanted to uh, let everybody know, they let me know earlier that the women's ministry trails hike, um, Riley Trails today at 3 has been postponed or canceled. So um, if you're going out there, you're going to be by yourself. But you can still hike the trails. But anyway, the organized women's one is not happening today. So hear these words from Jude. To him who is able to keep you from failing and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before you, now and forevermore. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you all his peace. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Go in peace. Have a good day.